0: Good evening, and welcome back to Mask's weekly radio show on Family Matters. Mask Mothers and Fathers Align Saving Kids, Kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know somebody that needs a referral, For a therapist, an inpatient, or outpatient program, please give them our number, 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. You may want to jot it down for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, or someone you usually would sit next to and show. Remember, all calls are strictly confidential. Someone can call anonymous and discuss a situation and we'll be happy to refer them. Our number again is 718-758-0400. We still are offering Zoom parent support group. Sunday night, Dr. Shmuel Brachfeld. Monday night, Dr. Debbie Ackerman. Tuesday night in person, Dr. Trish Atia, Wednesday night, Rabbi Dr. Benzion Tversky. Feel free to give us a call and we will get you on those groups. So tonight, I'm really happy to have on with us somebody that We've been running back and forth scheduling, so I'm really happy finally we were able to get you on, and that is Dr. Erica Harris, who's a clinical psychologist, and she helps families navigate relationship difficulties, anxiety, depression, grief, chronic medical illnesses, and she knows a lot about bullying experiences, adolescent with adolescents, so and children. So, I want to welcome you on tonight. How are you, Dr. Harris?
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Um, it's such a pleasure to speak with you, and thank you so much for everything that Mass does. You're such a wo- such a wonderful organization, and your work is so important and impactful. So, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. So let's get right to it. And let's talk about the early experiences in childhood and adolescence and how it really influences us as adults and even across one's lifespan, please.
1: Sure, absolutely. So, uh, well, first of all, so research has demonstrated that uh, childhood experiences have a significant effect on individual health in adulthood. Um, There have been a lot of studies that have found that individuals who experience what are called adverse childhood experiences or also known as ACEs early in childhood are often at risk for developing things like depression, anxiety, substance abuse habits, other types of addictions um, and other detrimental health behaviors as they grow into adulthood. Um, so having the having early experiences in childhood that are negative or problematic have can have an imprint on us as human beings and can have a significant effect on the way that we operate in life and relate to the people around us relate to um, uh, whether it's family relationships relationships with your spouse relationships with your own children um so it's really important to have awareness around uh traumas whether it's like big t trauma like like major events like a car accident or loss of a family member or things that are smaller like uh like you mentioned i have i have um a deep understanding of bullying experiences right um having a, an understanding of struggles that you go through as a child And gaining awareness as to how those experiences influence you as an adult can actually help you improve the relationships that you have in your life.
0: So, Dr. Harris, can you talk about triggers? Why some people get triggered by some certain, you know, certain situations and others are not?
1: Sure. So, First of all, the term triggered often refers to the experience of having an emotional reaction to a disturbing topic. And this is something like violence, the mention of suicide in the media or in a social setting. And often when we're triggered, it's because we've experienced something previously that affected us deeply. And then we're witnessing something again later in life. And it is reminiscent of that previous event that was traumatic. And then that brings up this trigger, um, a trigger, you, you could be triggered by something as an adult, or I mean, it could happen as a child too. Um, but to give you an example, let's say you are as you are at one point in your life in a car accident, you went up at the hospital, you broke a bone, you have some kind of a physical trauma, and there's a recovery period. And this has affected you emotionally, because this was a very trying experience in your life. Uh, moving forward, you know you, you move on on from this experience. You've recovered, and you're watching a show with a friend. And this friend has not had the experience of a car accident. If we're following this example, um, so a person, so you might be watching a show, and in the show they show they they show a car accident, and the person who was in a car accident might then have a trigger get triggered, and this could be things like racing thoughts, um, feeling easy, feeling very overwhelmed. Physical reactions like rapid heart rate, heart palpitations, um, rapid short breathing, tightness in your chest, feeling tingling on your skin, etc. Right. So the person that was in the car accident has is having a strong reaction because it's reminiscent unconsciously of that previous event. Whereas the person that th- that is sitting next to them, who is also watching the same TV show, is not having that reaction because they don't have a relationship to that kind of an event. They don't have a history of where they had a similar experience. Um, If that makes sense. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now you brought up about relationships and spouses in their marriage. Let's talk about how the way one communicates with the spouse in the marriage actually affects children.
1: Sure, absolutely. So communication is incredibly important in general in relationships. Um, but the way that you talk to your partner, to your spouse, um, it it shows children what it means to have relationships, right? You can think of the family system almost like an ecosystem. Everything it, it, and children are like little sponges. They're up. Op- they're learning about the world. Through the experiences that they're exposed to early in life, and so if you are, you know, if you know you are married and you have children, and the children are watching mom and dad, you know, your mother and father uh, communicate, and there's tension, there's arguing, there's fighting. That's for you know, using this example, there's a lot of instability in the household, and that might teach a child that relationships are unstable, relationships are unsafe, and maybe I shouldn't allow myself i mean I, this is an example but maybe i shouldn't allow myself to have a relationship because i'm not seeing something what i'm seeing is you know, they're not saying actively that i'm not i'm seeing as unhealthy but that is kind of the message that's being sent having a safe home having uh, you know, a mother and a father that are communicating well with each other that are respectful towards each other and are able to reflect on and communicate their needs to each other, are modeling healthy relationships for their children. And
0: do you want to share what you see the most important component to a healthy relationship is?
1: So what I see as the most important component to a healthy relationship, there's actually two aspects. The first is communication and the second is trust. So communication is so essential in a healthy relationship because you're communicating with your spouse about your your needs. I mean, whether it's a, whether it's a relationship with in a marriage or a friendship or whatever it might be, having the ability to communicate your needs, be able to be, being able to be receptive to the needs of the other person that you are in a relationship with, um, and validating. The, the needs and the feelings of the person that you're with and getting that validation in return is so important. Um, and the other important aspect here is trust, being able to uh, recognize that the person that you are in a relationship with has your ha- has your, your best, uh, has, has good intentions for you, has uh, your best interests in mind, and that you have their best interests in mind. Um, being able to Ha- to being able to, as I said, to trust each other and to recognize that their your needs and feelings respectively are important because you're having them.
0: Let's talk about secure attachment relationships and the importance for children as they're growing that.
1: Absolutely. So secure attachment is is um, a foundation it lets your child explore the world and have a safe place to come back to um, and secure attachment you know generally is the first way that babies learn to organize their feelings and their actions um, and they look to the and, and babies infants children they look to the person who provides them with care and comfort for support knowing that they have someone that's they, someone they, they can trust, that they can rely on as a parent. Um, and recognizing that it's safe to go off and explore, but to know that when they need to come back to the parent, that the parent is there and available to them. Um, and ha- so having this kind of secure healthy attachment is essential to having you know, a healthy emotional life, a he- healthy emotional experience. Um, because it's kind of the the uh, the blueprint to a healthy life, kind of being able to know that the person that you rely on is actually going to be there for you um, and that you can go off and explore and create your own relationships as you grow and develop into adulthood.
0: And many a times somebody that is brought up with, unhealthy childhood, for whatever reasons, um,
1: then choose the wrong spouses. Mm-hmm. Right, right. If you grow up in a household where your parent, your caregiver, whoever it is that takes care of you, is unavailable, does not show affection and care Right is dismissive, is overly, let's say, authoritarian, is very strict rules without an explanation of why. Right, um, that ch- those children then learn that they're that people are either unreliable and unavailable, or cannot be trusted, or don't have their best interests at heart, or their best interests available. They are their best interests. Um, uh, it, in, th- in thinking about them. Um, and just because I also want to highlight that just because like, even if you grow up in a maladaptive household, let's call it one where emotions are not prioritized or they're dismissed and ignored, that doesn't mean that you are then doomed to have uh, you know problematic relationships when you grow up. But it's really important to recognize that there are certain problems. There are certain dynamics that you really struggle with and get the help that you need so that you can address and gain deeper understanding and insight into these maladaptive patterns that you were raised in so that you can create a different life for yourself. And that can be going to therapy that can be, you know uh, you know, doing your own inner work and thinking deeply about, what what your struggles have been and choosing alternatives and do you want to
0: explain the kind of therapy that you offer and how it's helpful in navigating you know difficulties in relationships
1: absolutely um thank you for asking that question so i work primarily with individuals couples and families um i Primarily, at my theoretical orientation is called relational. It's a psychodynamic orientation. So essentially what that means is that I'm very interested in looking at a person's or a couple's or a family's history over their life course and gain and helping the people I work with gain deeper awareness into the experiences that they had growing up and helping them draw connections from the past and the way that they're presently operating in their lives, and often by ha- taking this long view approach, looking at the history and drawing connections between past and present, helps us gain insight and awareness into the problems that were that that they're having uh, currently, and that's where we're able to then have that insight to then make change.
0: So, what do you want to say to my listeners? about those that say, oh, I don't want to go back to when I was younger in my childhood, I only want to deal with today.
1: Well, I think that there's a lot that could be said about this. I know we only have a a little bit of time left, um, but it really depends. Sometimes there's people that come to therapy and don't want to look at the past and there could be a number of different reasons for that. Sometimes there are such extensive and overwhelming trauma histories that even touching that stuff is too activating, too deeply upsetting. So I do with certain people take a little bit of a slower approach and focus with them on the present until they develop a sense of security and safety in our work to then look back at the past. and for you know, there's people that say, "I want to work on the problem right now and not look at the past," that would be you know it depends it depends on what the problem is, right? If you're having an, if you're having panic attacks, then we need to navigate what's happening in the moment first so that we then can look at the past. Because if you're having a panic attack in session with me, we're not going to be able to do that lo- that that deeper uh, work that looks at history um but if you're just inter- if you just want to have a solution right that's a band aid approach and i can maybe help you a little bit but it's not going to help us up you know uproot the problems so that we can make meaningful and lasting change that will change your life
0: right because trauma history affects relationships
1: yes it does absolutely um if you you have a trauma history you know of course there are so there are so many different types of traumas that people go through um you know it's hard to see past that and it's hard to recognize uh you know that there's alternatives that there's other ways to experience the world there's other ways that you can heal uh but that healing process that rec- the recognition of the trauma history is so crucial so that you can then move forward and develop a healthier relationship first with yourself in order to then have healthy relationships with others.
0: Right. And it's so important that people understand the effects of trauma, whether it's bullying, whether somebody was exposed to pornography one time as a child. Sure. hmm can Can you explain why
1: the sure, so if you don't allow yourself to you know safely usually you know safely with a therapist, unearth the traumatic events that you go through, they're going to follow you in life. I mean, this is kind of related to what we were talking about earlier with triggers. If you don't allow yourself to work through and process, the example I was using before was being in a car accident. If you never gave yourself a chance to process that trauma, then you're constantly going to be triggered when you see something that's a car accident or something like a car accident. And it will make it very difficult for you to operate in the world and relate to other people.
0: Can we, we are running out of time, but I'd like to just touch, please, on boundaries, setting boundaries.
1: Absolutely. So boundaries are something that defines our, you know, what behaviors are acceptable and what behaviors are not acceptable. Um, boundaries can be physical. For example, do not touch me or emotional. Do not lie to me. They can be based on time or space, right? When I do something, please respect my time and understand that I'll not be able to speak or spend time with you until this other thing is completed, right? For these examples, Um, boundaries are a form of self-care, recognizing what works for you and what doesn't, creating limits and structure around yourself, right? Having boundaries, it promotes autonomy. It helps prevent burnout. It allows for improved emotional health. Um, what else? It ha- it allows you to have se- help a better self care, um, reducing reduces stress, and it also allows you to have clear expectations for other people. Um, you might have to, you might um, ha- you might have certain needs, and it's important to recognize those needs and understand that that sometimes there are things that don't work for you and that's okay.
0: Well, really important conversations to have. I really want to thank you for coming on. It's so nice to have you finally. Oh, thank you
1: so much. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. And again, thank you so much for everything that Mask does. You're um, such a wonderful organization. And um, I really enjoyed this chat. It was a lot of fun speaking with you today. Thank you.
0: Hope to have you on again soon. I would love to. Thank you. Great. I'd like to wish everyone a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos, and always remember: hang in, hold on, and now still, virtually hug tight. Tonight's show is in memory of Rivka Bas Yisro. Please consider to go online to maskparents.org and make a donation so we can continue with all the mask programs. Thank you and have a good
1: night.